Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us. This is Controlling Commodity Costs, and we are your hosts, Craig Turner and Tom Dazzle. We are your authority to gain control of your commodity exposure, stay ahead of the competition, and maximize your profit margins. This podcast is brought to you by StoneX Group, a Fortune 100 company with a 100-year history in the commodity markets. You can find us on the NASDAQ. All right, this is Tom Dodstall. Thanks for joining us, everyone, for the December market update. Joined, as always, here by Craig. Craig, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Tom. Happy to be on the pod again. And, uh, yeah, I think we got some good topics here. You know, the uh, macro markets, energy, and grains. And what do you think about starting off with uh, macro markets here? Yeah, let's talk about it. Give the folks something to think about here as we head toward the holidays. So I think since the last update we did, we've seen the market start to price in a greater likelihood for rate cuts by the middle part of 2024. So you're seeing a little bit more of a risk on kind of attitude uh, take over in the markets. We saw gold rally up and hit uh, all time highs. We've seen stock markets knocking on the door like that and the US dollar weakening. So uh, a lot of the talk we're picking up on in the commodity marketplace right now has to be just around a little bit of that risk on kind of sentiment that that uh, is out there but there's one market that's really not uh following along with that and that's been crude oil and energy markets yeah you know the it's interesting the demand hasn't been there for crude seems like u.s production is getting more efficient and you know when opec is talking about making production cuts you maybe saudi arabia is serious about it but i think you know the market isn't too sure about some of the other countries and those production quotas are very difficult to um to enforce right it's kind of like an honor system over there so the energy markets feel you know kind of heavy and oversupplied yet on the stock market and the equity side you're getting this rally and uh you know the jobs report was pretty good for you know for jobs and growth um i don't know there are mixed signals out there between the macro markets and energies uh, would you agree with that? Yeah, you know, I'm looking at the price charts right now, and I notice on WTI crude oil, I mean, we're down at kind of what's been a base of support for the better part of the calendar year in 2023, down around this $70 per barrel mark. Uh, a few times it's dipped down into kind of the mid 60s, but on the on the price charts, we are very much closer to low for the last 12 months than we are near any type of high. Same goes for natural gas. Uh, January futures to around 243 right now. Uh, and look at this chart, and it is just been falling sharply. And until today, we're recording here on Monday, December 11th. It, big spike low on the price chart today, and a 13 on the RSI. So that's a market that's extreme in the oversold category as well. So for our clients who are in the procurement side of these energies, I think we're looking at some of these prices and looking at them being in value areas. Um, relative to historical terms, just going back at least the last 12 months. So maybe some opportunities there to be uh, 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 procuring some some energy commodities at, at lower rates. Yeah, for sure on the natural gas side, right? Because eventually, I mean, eventually production kind of adjusts and demand picks up. It's been mild. I mean, out here in the Midwest, the, the temperature has been mild. The demand has not been really, really hasn't been great at all for, for natural gas. So it's just kind of taken a beating and, you know, it's going to have to get a lot colder in January and February for us to probably, you know, get up into the threes or mid threes again. But long-term, what you're saying, Tom, 
um, you know, when you get these big, big spikes lower, you know, it does bring down the forward curve too, right? And there's definitely uh, probably some value out there uh, also. I'm not a climatologist, but there's some voice in the back of my head that says January and February, it sometimes does get cold, <laughs> doesn't it? Absolutely. So yeah. Maybe the market will react to that at some point, if and when that occurs. Uh, yeah. But uh, we're obviously all about uh, controlling those costs, not so much predicting, but yeah, keeping an eye on the forecast right now, market's been pricing in nearby anyway, some, some more mild, mild weather for sure. So. Yeah. Um, I heard you, I overheard you the other day when we were out in Nebraska talking uh, about the uh, difference between the, what's going on in the crude oil market and what's going on in the diesel market. Um, so yeah. you, care to, you want to elaborate on that a little bit for our listeners, just why is, why is uh, diesel staying a little bit elevated relative to the crude oil? It has to do with refinery capacity. Um, and there's just you know, there's basically, if you take a look at both of them, the refinery capacity is tighter or there's more, you know, compared to how fast we can expand crude production, right? I mean, really OPEC can turn it on. Uh, the efficiency in the United States um, is is quite impressive, but, uh, and, you know, you can basically, you know, have a, uh, have higher production there. But the thing with diesel, is you need that refinery capacity and you know we're we're hitting you know we're not hitting the limit but we're getting kind of close to it i think we're at 90 95 percent you know capacity on the refinery side so i think that really has more to do with it than anything um if we haven't built a new refinery in the united states in 25 30 years and when they have issues we're not using any major capital projects anymore for the refineries of heating oil and diesel and uh, are, you know, in gasoline, because you know that those are billion dollar projects or more and companies aren't gonna put that kind of money in something where they think may not exist 10, 15 years from now for going so hard on the down that renewable um, mm -hmm. road. So that, that it's a, so it's an issue. And I think that's why you're seeing the prices the way they are. Well, I think that's something to keep in mind too for our you know, folks who have trucking fleets and things along those, uh, you know, procurement for those types of commodities. We've seen a range the last two years on the high end, close to four dollars and fifty cents on front month, and uh, really on the low end around two dollars and ten cents. So now we're at about two sixty here today. We're definitely again getting down into that bottom percentile. Looking back here over the last couple of years, so if we do run into any. Uh, any reason for crude oil to want to lift up off these lows um, or any other shocks to the system just want our audience to know that uh, that's kind of been the range there between about 210 and 450 so here we are at 260 on nearby uh, prices right now today so um, with that I guess we'll shift gears we want to talk a little bit about the WASD report we had the December update from USDA on Friday and uh, any surprises in that report no I mean not for me I, you know the December WASD usually quiet they'll sometimes make minor adjustments on the demand side if they feel they need to and then they'll make some adjustments down in south american production if they feel they need to but you know two things one the i think you know the corn exports went up about 25 million um i want to say soybeans kind of stayed the same on the carryout yeah no and change the, on beans yeah and the usda tends to follow conab uh on the you know and and the you know, Argentina and Brazil's reporting agencies on the state of the crop down there. So there's no major surprises when the USDA kind of follows 
um, Files with South America is already put out. So maybe the Bulls will a little disappointed that some of the cuts in South America didn't translate into greater export demand on the U.S. balance sheet. But I don't know. There wasn't a ton of. I didn't. I don't think it was. I didn't really think it was bullish or bearish either way. Uh, would you agree with that? Yeah, I'd agree. I think Argentina, there was no change made to Argentina corn or soybeans. And I, and, and like you said, the most interest was probably on the South American on the production side. Um, minor changes uh, to, to demand here. We've, we've been uh, seeing a bit better demand the last month or so on US, for U.S. corn and U.S. wheat on the export market. Notably, China really picked up the demand for wheat the last couple of weeks. Now, as we sit here today, looks like wheat's correcting sharply here uh, to start this week anyway, mostly due to the fact that we just got, we, we, we got a burst of demand. We saw prices rally and now we're kind of non-competitive on the world export markets. We're a little more expensive right now than Australia and France. And so uh, we, we're seeing wheat retrace on the fact that China's not really, uh, seems like they're no longer interested at these current prices that we were just seeing. Um, yeah, it's a good point you make there, Tom, because you know, U.S. was cheapest wheat for a while, got the buying interest. Now it's not. Maybe it switches to Australia for France for a while. But where, you know, where wheat prices are right now, you know, in these high fives, low sixes, seems to be a support and a value area, right? Because if the United States wheat drops down too much from here, corrects too much, it's probably going to be the cheapest on the world market again. And we're not going to have a major shot of wheat until May, right? You know, the 80% of the world's exportable wheat is produced in the Northern Hemisphere. You know, the winter wheat will be harvested in May, June, into you know, May and June, mostly June. And then that spring wheat doesn't really get harvested until like end of August, September. So we've got some time here where, like you were saying before about the, you know, about diesel and, and heating oil. I don't know. I mean, it's, if there's any, we're going to, if you need to buy wheat over between now and May, you know, you're probably going to start hitting value areas uh, on that. Um, yeah, I think we were around that $6 mark on the, for the hard red winter wheat when we started to see that pick up in demand, yeah. uh, especially on the export markets, uh, uh, the China interest. So uh, if we're back down in that area again, you might, you might suspect maybe we see that demand resurface again. So $6 is definitely an area I'd be watching out for, I think, yeah. uh, personally right now. We're, we're seeing maybe a bit of the pressure too as we're finally start. We've been dry across the U.S. plains and there is some better chance for rains here as we uh, go forward into the middle part of this month. So that might be uh, helping to reassure traders a little bit on on some uh, some of the supply here in the short term. Yeah. And the other big thing where the wheat, excuse me, where the where the rain is being watched very closely is that northern Brazil over mm -hmm. the next couple of weeks. This is a key months for moisture down there. December and January is typically when the monsoon comes in. And up to this point, we've been below normal on the rainfall totals uh, going really back till uh, October, then measuring below normal and um, above normal temperatures. So going forward here, as that crop goes toward the re reproductive stage, it's going to be key in terms of how that rain falls, probably in terms of uh, driving the price action on, on soybeans, and then how that could impact second crop corn plantings down there. Yeah, it's, it's definitely, it's the story everyone's keeping an eye on. You know, there's only, they're planted, I think Brazil planted record acres. So you know, even with reduced yields, now they'd have a record crop, but 
you know, there's a long way to go. And if it stays hot and dry and that northern region doesn't do so hot or do so well, um, those, those yields can come down. You know, at what point does lost production translate into more export demand coming to the United States? And we're already tight here in the United States. So, you know, beans, 12, 13, $14 are traditionally elevated prices. And, you know, the, what's the tightness in the United States and, you know, the weather issues in South America kind of argue for those higher prices. Uh, I think you make a really interesting point too on the second crop. And you know, just so everyone knows, I mean, you know, in areas that are very tight, even if, you know, or dry, even if soybeans, you know, are harvested, you know, if it's, if it's too dry at the end of, you know, the, the soybean harvest, you know, there is concern about planting second crop corn into dry conditions. And, you know, it, I don't know if you, what you've heard about this one, Tom, but you know, they're saying down in Southern Brazil where it's very wet and they got to replant a lot of beans, you know, that second crop is corn and it delays that window and, you know, there's concern it pushes it outside of the optimal planting window for yield. So there's still a lot of, the markets have broken. We did, there has been some improved weather over the last month in South America, but I wouldn't say they're out of the woods out there, down there. Agreed. Yeah, and I think you just look at it today. They're having a hard time with the models right now. These are more like frontal passes, it seems like, and not the typical monsoon rains. So, well, they want to get that soaking rain that, that has thus far been lacking. They've got those lighter soils and they need this regular rainfall to produce crop the size that, uh, that that everyone's expecting. So yeah, watch to see how those estimates come down. Obviously here at Stonex, we're updating our clients on the latest estimates from our boots on the ground down there in Brazil, our colleagues who are down there. So uh, reach out to us if you wanna get on that list to get those ongoing uh, updates and, and estimates there. Um, I'd say switching gears too, also just a little bit on the technical side of the market, managed money position in corn and wheat both is, very large on the net short side right now. So we got a lot of the speculative managed funds uh, standing on one side of the boat, so to speak. I think in corn, we've never seen such a large net short position as of the end of November as we have this year. Um, looking here at the figures right now, and we've got a net short position of 160,000 coming into uh, trading this week. And then yeah. over in wheat, we're net short around 96,000 in Chicago and Kansas City somewhere around 30. I think Kansas City is holding its largest net short um, all time for this time of year uh, as well. So the only other time they were ever more net short than this was in the spring of 2019. So Craig, I, just putting that point out there, we're all kind of heavily short corn and wheat. Uh, beans are a little bit more towards neutral, I'd say. Um, there's small net long position, but um, I don't know if you look for similar things there when um, looking at the corner wheat market, what does that yeah. tell you? I mean, tell, listen, the, the funds are bearish probably because when you look at the projections in the supply and demand tables, you know, it suggests adequate to burden some supplies. But the problem is, as you know, you know, you get one weather issue down in South America or you don't get the acres that you need in the United States or something like that. The funds can come out in a big way real fast and really move the market when everyone's heading for the exit at once. So just important to, to realize that that's always a possibility. Your one major weather event um, from a pretty, a pretty sizable short covering rally, right? And uh, you know, if you, you need to buy some of these commodities and you know, pr where prices are, where the, and we're at value areas and we're at support levels, we're actually seeing demand on the export market. It's, you know, it's, 
most likely time to get coverage, you know, when we're at those places and um, maybe even try to maybe protect yourself down the road a little bit too. Interestingly, soy meal is holding a huge net long position still too. So maybe there's a, a little bit of a bubble over there on the long on the, on the meal side of things. Soybean oil, I think is net short to the tune of about 17,000. So uh, vegetable oils, we're gonna have a big crush report later this week. Uh, anybody out there in the uh, buying vegetable oils should probably be aware of that we could see those soybean oil stocks drawn down below 1 billion pounds in this report. And so getting pretty tight on those bean oil stocks just at a time at a time when we are opening more and more renewable diesel plants coming online right so um uh, what are your thoughts on soybean oil should we talk about that a little bit yeah i, I actually meal and oil i know on the on the meal side you, you know you mentioned that first argentina just doesn't have the beans to process this year and so the meal is going to have to come from brazil and united states and while those soybeans exist, it's going to put a lot, it's going to hamper or put a lot of stress on the, the crushing capacity and utilization for meal. So I think that's why the funds have kind of piled, piled in there, just seeing that coming. And then with um, oil, oil, yeah, oil, here's the thing with oil, the vegetable oil market, you know, palm is getting back to, you know, supplies are adequate. Canola, especially up in Canada, uh, you know, they're going to be, there was, they had such a huge shortage two years ago that a lot of places around the world, like Australia and Europe uh, and, and the Black Sea, actually increased rapeseed and canola production. And now Canada is actually having a tough time moving all the canola they planted this year. And remember, canola oil can be used in substitution uh, for uh, soybean oil for renewable fuels. And then there's this concern about used cooking oil and what really qualifies, right, for you know, for re renewables, like, you know, palm oil by itself doesn't count for renewables, but used cooking oil can. But what if the used cooking oil is all palm? Like, can you now use it? And I think they have to sort out those issues a little bit. Um, and then the, you know, I, I also think the funds and the, the trade got a little bit ahead of itself with, uh, with the long side of soybean oil. And now we're kind of just waiting for the capacity uh, to come. So I think in the long term, you know, you could see higher vegetable oil prices, particularly soybean, but there's, you know, the, and there is a bullish story and an argument for higher prices in 2024 and 25, but these processing plats, you know, they need to be built and they, you know, they need to you know, have that crush demand and, you know, then we'll see how the market reacts to that. All well said. All right. Well, and last but not least, we should probably point out also in live cattle, the sharp sell off that we've seen in the last few weeks. We had Gavin McPherson on in our last episode. So anybody out there procuring beef or pork, uh, if you didn't catch that episode, make sure you go back and listen. But we've fallen quite sharply here on the futures prices. I know there's some some uh, basis spread here between some of the cutout uh, values and things like that. But Point being, um, we've fallen a long ways the last few weeks in beef, and are we finally getting near maybe some some bottom areas uh, is a question that I know that uh, that clients are asking and that we're having conversations about. So um, I think we're about 30 cents lower, 30 to 35 cents lower, looking at the June futures contracts just in the last few weeks. And a lot of this has been technical selling related. Uh, livestock producers we talk to out there in the country certainly are are bullish, feeling bullish from these price levels, thinking this is overdone. So for what it's worth, um, 
livestock markets may be down in value as well right now. Yeah, and the crush, the you know, the crush, the fats compared to the corn would suggest that too at the moment. So, all right. So, anyone who wants to learn more, hope you enjoyed this episode. We we talk about this stuff every day on a regular basis. We love to chat about it and uh, love to hear about our different customer needs. So, if you'd like to uh, get together, make a connection, please reach out. All our details are in the show notes. Thanks for listening in, as always. The trading of derivatives, such as futures, options, and over-the-counter OTC products or swaps, may not be suitable for all investors. Derivatives trading involves substantial risk of loss. You should fully understand those risks prior to trading. Past financial results are not necessarily indicative of future performance. All references to futures and options on futures trading are made solely on behalf of the FCM division of Stonex Financial Inc., a member of the National Futures Association and registered with the U.S. Commodity Futures Trading Commission as a futures commission merchant. All references to and discussion of OTC products or swaps are made solely on behalf of Stonex Markets LLC, a member of NFA and provisionally registered with the CFTC as a swap dealer. Stonex Markets products are designed only for individuals or firms who qualify under CFTC rules as an eligible contract participant and who have been accepted as customers of Stonex Markets. This material should not be constructed as a solicitation of trading strategies and or services provided by the FCM division of Stonex Financial or Stonex Markets as noted in this presentation and podcast. Neither the FCM division of Stonex Financial Inc. nor Stonex Markets is responsible for any redistribution of this material by third parties or any trading decisions taken by persons not intended to view this material. Information contained herein was obtained from sources believed reliable, but is not guaranteed. These materials represent the opinions and viewpoints of the author and do not necessarily reflect the opinions and viewpoints of the FCM division of StoneX Financial or StoneX Markets. Reproduction or use in any format without authorization is forbidden. Copyright 2023, all rights reserved.